Hey everyone, this is Nick Walker and welcome to the Soul Food for Thought podcast. Today I'm extremely excited to bring you Aaron Rizzo. Aaron's a musician, he's very talented, and he's extremely wise. And overall, I'm, I'm satisfied and impressed with the energy that Aaron brought to this conversation. And so with that being said, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that every single person that takes the time out to listen to this podcast will be able to glean some value from the nuggets that were dropped during this conversation. So with that said, I am actually going to play one of Aaron's latest singles called Push. Um, first time I listened to this song, it was one of those songs that I just listened to it back to back to back to back to back to back to back. Um, so I really like the song and I think you guys will too. If you're not interested in listening to that song, then you can go ahead and skip ahead by about four minutes um, to jump right into our conversation. So with all that being said, thank you for being here and enjoy the conversation.
what's up, man? How are you doing? Um, everyone, is Aaron Rizzo. Um, he's a musician. And Aaron, thank you for joining today. I'm very excited to have this conversation. And um, I mean, I brought you. I mean, I brought you on for a reason. I feel like you, um, you know, you're just, you know, the way you're going about your music. You know, I listen to it and there's a something different about it. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. Like, just like, there's a something different to it. And so, you know, with that being said, you seem like a, like a pretty interesting person. And so, you know, I'm happy to have you on the podcast to just chat. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the, uh, Oh gosh, realize all my cords are in the shot. Look at me. I'm a mess. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. Um, definitely strive to make it something different but you know it's cool it's really cool to me when people pick up on that so thank you for having me bro of course um so i'll start with my my basic question sure so you just stepped off stage from performing and i'm a fan and i come up to you and i say or i ask you who are you and why do you do what you do what would you say uh i would say think back on the last hour and a half of your life that's why we do what we do um i don't know i mean that's obviously you know you think of like your 30 second elevator pitch it's hard to fit a question like that into such a short amount of time but i would just say that made me feel good and hopefully it made you feel good too and there's really nothing more to it than that it's just something that makes us all feel good. That's mm -hmm. it. <laughs> I totally resonate with that, man. I mean, life is, I mean, in my opinion, life is just about feeling good. I mean, sure, there are, yeah. there are things that we can accomplish and things that we can achieve and all these different things that we can do. But to kind of just like come back to like the one central focus, I feel like it's just feeling good. Absolutely. Um, and so it seems like for you, like your main avenue um, towards that is music. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, it all just comes down to, you know, giving and receiving love, man. That's, that's what it's all about always, you know, if, if you trace it all back to the roots. So music does that pretty well for me. Uh, obviously, everyone has their own vehicle to do so. But yeah, in my in my life, I found music to just be the best way to uh, achieve that connection with other people mm -hmm. and a connection with yourself i i would assume as well uh, yeah absolutely man um there's a lot of self-loss and self-discovery in music and um i know i have and i'm sure many other people have too but like you know found ways to love yourself more through that medium you know what i'm saying so like and it's, it doesn't come from the compliments or anyone else saying anything. It's just, it's a, it's a very weird process and energy flow in that sense of putting all this, it just sounds very spiritual, but like putting all that stuff out into the universe when you perform, when you write, when you, whatever, and just having the eye to pick up on when it comes back to you. And when you can start recognizing all those little things in your life that are signs of it coming back, that's when you really start to feel that love. So I feel like I'm just starting to feel that, 
you know, it's definitely an exponential growth. At first, you're like, I, I hate this. I hate, you know, I hate all this stuff. But um, a lot of people might define it as like finding your worth. You know what I mean? It's obvious. I don't think they're like exactly the same thing, but they can definitely be compared to each other. That's powerful what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are a couple of things that that caught my attention. The first one being the first one being what you said about, you know, it's not about like the compliments and the recognition and the things like that, because obviously it's very easy to get caught up in the ego. So I'm curious, like how, you know, how you deal with that, because, you know, making all this music, having all these people listening to you and complimenting you and getting all these followers and likes and like all this stuff, I'm sure it's, you know, challenging to, you know, not let, you know, to, to not let your ego kind of just like take that and run with it. So I'm curious, like what, you know, what are your, what's your experience with that? Um, man, there's a lot of stuff on the day to day that keeps you in check. Uh, for me, the biggest thing was and still is, I know I'm not going to pretend that I sell out venues, uh, <laughs> you know, playing to empty rooms, man, like that's the biggest thing that puts your ego in check right there. You know, there's no more humbling feeling than walking up on a stage and seeing no one in the audience and going, oh yeah, maybe I'm not like all that I thought I was. Not in a self-deprecating way, but like, you know, just to put yourself in check. And um, it's, 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 I feel like we kind of live in this like hype beast age where everyone kind of thinks that the thing they have is what's going to pop. And obviously that's great. You, you have to be super behind your stuff if you want it to go anywhere. But I think the biggest humbling thing is when you like throw a firecracker out into the world and you're like ducking for cover, waiting for it to blow up. And it just, zip, it just fizzles out, you know? <laughs> and um, those moments sting and they happen a lot. I mean, to a spectator, an audience member, all they really see is like the stuff that hits because it's the stuff that makes it to the surface. But what you're not seeing behind the scenes on every single day is like the, you know, relentless hours of failure and, you know, self-checking that go into that process. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. It's really just the day to day that keeps you in check. Like if you're, if you're doing your life, or if you're, if you're doing this career correctly, I, I there's no correct way to do it, but in my opinion, like if you're, if you're following a true path, like there's going to be things that keep your ego in check for sure. Yeah. And so on that true path, I mean, I guess, you know, because at times I, you know, I, I have suffered from just like imposter syndrome yeah. Um, you know, through doing the podcast and things like that and whatever it may be. And I feel like when it comes to something that you're passionate about, I feel like the passion kind of keeps you in check as well mm -hmm. in the sense 100%. that that's the thing that you're always coming back to. Like, even though you are, you know, let's say you don't sell out a venue or you're playing to, an, to a basically empty room, whatever it may be. I feel like that just allows you to perhaps delve even deeper into your passion and why you're actually doing it. And it reminds you of why you're doing it. 
totally totally i mean if you i mean you said it perfectly like after a flop of a show why like why do you find yourself going back to the basement and picking up that guitar and getting ready for the next one there's some kind of thing happening there that is what you're talking about and it does have like it's it's a weird like you know how the word clip can mean to cut something or to fasten something together it has like opposite meanings i feel like that situation is like that it's so it puts your ego in check so much and it just flattens you but it also is the thing that puts you in the vehicle to keep moving forward it's so strange you know it's like yeah you have like stockholm syndrome to this horrible feeling and, and you know and you're like even though it hurts you and hurts you and hurts you and like it's the thing that keeps you coming back it's so it's a weird dude absolutely weird i yeah. couldn't resonate with that more because to bring up an example from my own life so this last spring or like early this summer you know obviously i started to kind of just really get into like the social media stuff mm -hmm. so you know finally getting out there and posting my content really my passion was just through the, the authentic expression of myself so just saying pretty much what's on my mind talking about topics that i care about and sharing that with my followers mm -hmm. so you know i started kind of like solo in a sense so i kind of just like post like my own like solo videos like talking about whatever i'm talking about and the passion was truly there like it was truly there like i it was like it was what pulled me right however after a while i had that ego hit where you know i started to get criticism and things like that and i mean it really felt like my world was kind of just like falling apart because i was getting so much criticism and i really opened my eyes and i was like wow like i could be doing this in a different way like i see the passion that is there but i could be channeling that passion in a different way you know such as like having conversations with people and things like that but that goes to you know that's a testament of the passion and its ability to to reel you back in and take you no matter what because the passion totally. was still there for me like even though after like my my ego was just just completely flat and part of me was like like part, honestly part of me was like i was a bit confused because part of me was like, no, like it's not safe to go back out there and do anything of that nature ever again. Yeah. But the deepest part of me is like, no, like we're going back. <laughs> we're just going to do it in a different way because the path is yeah. there. Yeah. And I think deep down, you know that you have to do what scares you. As cliche as that sounds, like if you're not pursuing your passion with a visceral fear chasing you all the time you're you're doing something wrong you, like if you're if you're feeling safe and comfortable like i i just feel like that's not the most pro productive use of your time on this earth you know mm -hmm. and so in your situation it seems like you know all those sharks got at you and there was something about that like that situation being uncomfortable that made you push harder and it's and it's hard it's really hard to take criticism and move in a new direction with it 
because you're always torn between like, do I just follow my own heart or, or do I really listen to what people are saying? Mm-hmm. And it's, I feel like it's finding that balance, man, you know, cause like you got to have a little bit of ego in order to, you know, yeah. Cause as yeah. much as, as much as what we do is art and it's, you know, like you're putting together a platform for discussion. Like there's a, there's always an element of entertainment to this. Mm-hmm. and understanding that it's a business and sometimes you have to like play that part that's tough too you know? yeah so, um, finding yeah finding that balance man it's that's it's difficult so and, yeah a lot yeah. of us spend years i totally know what you're what you're saying about that because and i'm curious to to kind of hear what you know your personal experiences with that are of kind of bridging the gap between just a passion and deciding like, okay, like I want to actually make this a thing. Right. Um, and so for me, for example, it's like, I mean, we, like, I, I, like I need, I need my ego. Like I need my sense of self to kind of just like direct me and to be able to make those formulations of my brand and things mm-hmm. like that to kind of just like put things together. So you know, eventually I know like there will come a point where, you know, I will want to expand, you know, some of my content and, and, you know, increase the reach of that. And so, you know, at some point I'll have to probably promote one of my posts or something like that. And part of me will think like, you know, like, no, like that's bad. Like you're too full of yourself or like whatever it may be, but it fulfills me to know that the things that I'm creating from my heart are touching other people. Mm-hmm. That's what it's really about. Like, yeah, I know like the, the, you know, having followers and likes and things like that are perhaps a byproduct of that, but that's not the, that's not the central thing that is creating that fulfillment within myself. Right. Yeah. It's, I, I think about that a lot in terms of, you know, followers and stream numbers and like just, just the analytics side of this whole thing. Um, it like, sometimes when I spend too much time in that world, I just, it destroys me, man, you know, cause you're never going to be satisfied with your numbers. Even like, even if your numbers are 10 times better than they were last year. So it shows growth. I feel like as an artist, it's, you get caught up in the whole thing it's so hard and like you know just like understanding that all that matters is at the end of the day if someone comes up to you and goes hey I was having a pretty bad week but you know I was looking forward to this and it you know it evened everything out so thank you and that kind of response Mm. means so much more to me after a show than when someone comes up and goes, I like your guitar playing, the singing was great, blah, blah, blah. You know, like they just kind of scratch the surface, but that person, cause that, I mean, when someone compliments what, I mean, I'll just use in my case, like if someone compliments my guitar playing or my singing, they're not really complimenting my mission. They're complimenting just the tools that I use. Superficial aspects. Yeah, it's just scratching surface, and I still appreciate it. It's you know I work very hard to like you know have chops on guitar and all that, but when someone someone compliments your mission, that's when it means the most. And those people at first are very few and far between, you know. But like over time, 
you, you start to gain those people who just like feel what you're doing on a very subterranean level. <laughs> and it's, I, I don't know. It's yeah. those, those moments are what make all the ego crushing moments worth it. Yeah. You know, for me, at least. I totally agree, man. It's, it seems to be about people being able to actually feel something based on me doing the thing that makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Like, I totally. think, like that, that's what it pretty much seems to be. Yeah. Yeah. And if this pandemic has shown us anything, it's shown us how much we suffer from lack of human interaction and connection, mm-hmm. you know, and because I, I personally, like I'll admit, I took uh, live music and playing on a stage for granted before this 100%. Like I never thought about it. It was just something I did every month. And you know it, it maybe this put stuff in perspective and i just know that from this point out like none of us you know i'm sure you would much rather have someone sitting across from you at a desk than over zoom mm-hmm. but obviously you're making do with the situation um but yeah man that human connection that's what it's all about and it's, it's what it's always been about, you know, we got all these side projects, all these solo projects, whatever, we're making, you know, hip hop, trap, pop, rock, folk, country, like whatever, we're making all these kinds of music, but at the end of the day, it's just all about reaching out for that one person, because it, it, ju- it just takes one to make mm-hmm. it worth it, you know? Absolutely, man. That's the mission. Absolutely. And so... I'm curious to hear about like, you know, like what inspires you. I mean, obviously, you know, the fact that, you know, being a musician and like actually doing the thing like feels good. Right. Uh, would you say that it's that feeling that drives you and inspires you or what do you think it is? I think because, you know, upon like doing interviews more recently, I've had to think about this a lot. Because when you're just inspired and moving, you don't really ever think about what fuel is in that engine. Mm-hmm. And recently, I, th- I think it's just because when I'm making or playing music, my dictionary and vernacular go from being 10 pages to 1,000 pages. And I just feel that's where my power as a living thing lies. Mm-hmm. And not power in the sense of like a power trip, but power in the sense of like, I am like grounded in it and I feel at home when doing it. And all, I mean, it's so, it's so hard to describe like what drives that because you feel it, you feel it when you're on stage and the kick drum (laughs) is like hitting you in the back of the legs as you're playing you know, you feel it in the studio session when you finally break through that wall and get the right sound and you feel it when sitting at a friend's house, just listening to music and bonding over it. Those are all, all those situations. It's just like when, when our heartbeats sync up over something so visceral, 
that's what drives me you know it's it's a very uh guttural and primal thing for me like i i it's weird i feel stronger physically when i play music like i i feel like i could break stuff (laughs) it's so weird and like when we're I, i that's probably just adrenaline but it i don't know it's it's like a rush like a high that never really fades and I, I genuinely think it's why a lot of musicians and artists have, have a lot of trouble with other things in their life is because they're always chasing a high. Yeah, trying to mimic that feeling in yeah. whenever they're not doing it. Yeah, and not, not to say that every, <clears throat> excuse me, every musician or artist is the same, but there's definitely some complications there, you know, just yeah. trying, to get, trying to get that feeling all the time. And, hmm. um, I had a mentor when I was younger who would always, he just nailed, like seared it into my brain that music developed a brain differently. And I, I agree with that, you know, not, not better for, you know, it's definitely not better. It's just different. Um, but yeah, it's, to, I'm kind of going on a tangent right now, but to, to go back to your question, it, yeah, it's that primal thing. Of, mm-hmm. of like just two like people syncing up because I, I I'm hard pressed to find that in any other aspects of my life. Yeah. It's, it's I love that you said that. I I can relate to that. It feels like inspiration, what it really is, is a sudden feeling of connection. A right. feeling of connection that you it's just not normal. You know what I mean? And perhaps yeah. you could make it more normal through certain modalities, like maybe meditation and, or whatever, maybe exercise and things like that. But I like what you said about inspiration because it really seems like you can't intellectualize it or discover where it's really coming from. Like, right. I feel like there's a, perhaps, perhaps we, Perhaps we confuse sometimes admiration and inspiration. So you can look at someone or something and admire it and perhaps see, you know, some of yourself in that. And then maybe you feel that connection with a deeper part of yourself that knows that you can become that or know that you have that within you or that you can feel that, whatever it may be. But I feel like the inspiration is just that feeling of connection in and of itself that kind of just channels through you yeah that's a really interesting way to put it i never really thought about that and now that you mention that and verbalize it i I think it's how i feel about jazz which is (laughs) you bring up jazz and all like the youtube trolls start running at you (laughs) you know and um i mean jazz is something i really admire and i really look up to and i kind of hold it on a pedestal but i it doesn't you know what it doesn't inspire me as much as other stuff and recognizing that is really important because you can definitely go down a lot of dead ends by chasing admiration instead of inspiration Mm -hmm. and because i feel like when you when you get into admiration too much you start to copy there's there's a lot of like copying going on and whereas inspiration is taking the things you admire and putting them in the back seat as opposed to the front seat. 
and you're still driving you're still in control of the vehicle but they're you know they're always there so that's a really cool way to put that i've never i've never really thought about Mm -hmm. that at all yeah the way that i think about it is like i feel like the ego the ego that wants to copy and replicate and be better than others and you know chase all these external things whatever it may be to appear in a certain way Mm-hmm. I feel like that ego is always going to be there, but the key distinction that I make, and I've really had to like sit down and analyze this before I actually went on and made any more podcasts because I needed to know if my ego was the thing driving this entire thing itself, or if the ego was just a disruptive passenger that happens to just tag along with me while that inspiration and that passion is coming through me and you know doing what it does and so like that was something that i really had to sit with and be like okay like where is this coming from like like is this actual passion or is this just an ego trip like you know someone who thinks he knows everything or like whatever it may be and so it was difficult but that was something that i had to identify I feel like the fact that you had that thought in the first place is indicative of you being in it for the right reason. I, most of the people I meet who are on an ego trip typically are just, you know, pedal to the metal with the lights off. Just like, so that self, I mean, that's another thing to talk about is that like self-questioning, right? Like, am I doing this for the right reasons? Am I, am I, am I, you know, am I doing this correctly? Because unfortunately with like, even with like with podcasting and music, there's, there's no, there's no blueprint. There's no map. It's just do it and maybe it'll work, you know, which makes it such a frustrating thing to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And because especially watching people around you go through their careers with a very clear map. They're going, I need to do this to get this promotion, to get to this position, then my salary will be enough to buy this, you know, private jet or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And so I identify with that a lot, that stopping and just taking stock of what's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's it's so important because you know, there's so many forks in the road where you have to stop and ask yourself that stuff where you can either go right and just follow your ego and the product will maybe be more commercial, but it won't be from the heart or you, you know, you take the, I don't want to call it the high road, but like you take the path less traveled, you know, and that's again, going back to living in visceral fear that's such a huge thing, you know, and I've always felt that with my music, putting it out and just never knowing if it's commercial or people are going to like it. And that it's just, that's such a hard conversation to have with yourself. Understanding not everyone's going to like this. You may have a niche audience. And as long as you're doing stuff from your heart, people will love it. Someone will love it. Or maybe no one will love it, but at least you'll be able to see it at night. Yeah. You know? And I remember in, we're working on a new record right now and we were in the, 
we were in the studio doing this song that is mainly driven by an acoustic guitar part. And my bass player, Tristan Jarvis, is co-producing the record with me. And there was a part where I had to hit a note on the neck, but because of the way a guitar is made, uh, the notes and intervals on the guitar are never, some of them are not perfectly in tune. It's just the nature of the instrument. And I remember there was this note, I hit this one note and it like goes through a break in the song. So it's the only thing happening. And it, I think it was two to three cents flat. It was like so minorly out of tune. And I'm going, you know, whatever, we'll fix it with, you know, a tuning software or whatever. And he goes, listen, man, I remember our engineer stepped out of the room and we were just kind of, you know, conversating for a little bit before he came back. And he's going, listen, man, I know we can fix that. I know we can fix that in the mix, but I want you to walk away from this, loving it and being, knowing that you did it correctly and you didn't take the easy way out. And that blew my world apart, you know? Cause especially in the studio, you get so caught up in moving on to the next thing, you know, getting this, getting that, blah, blah, blah. You, you have a huge to-do list. And so for him to just stop the clocks and be like, hold up, we have to get this right, you know? For that reason, you know, it would have been different if it was for like, you know, that was just, it's just a wrong note or whatever. That's a different reason. But for the fact of, I want you to walk away from this, loving it, that just, you know, that's huge for me. Like, how do you preserve that love for what you do through the whole process? Because I mean, how many times have you gotten to the end of something, the last 10% and you're like, I don't ever want to hear this again. I don't like, I don't want to look at this, like <laughs> get this away from me. I've, that happens to me way too much so how do you preserve that love for it you know i feel like that's a really really tough yeah tough battle you know that's an important question and um i mean that's super interesting because back on kind of what you said about relying on others or not relying on others but i feel like that is kind of that could be the downfall of you if you allow someone else to, if you rely on someone else to tell you how you are doing. I mean, like in my opinion, I think it's great to seek insight from people and, you know, advice and guidance and things like that. But deep down, you have to know and be able to ask yourself the question, like, how am I doing? Am I present while I'm doing this? And perhaps that is something that can help you or enable you to just love your, love yourself throughout the entire process. Totally, totally. And, you know, I, I really resonate with what you just said. Uh, I've just had people in my life that have been close to my music career that have tried to steer me in one way or the other. And it's always been in good intention. You know, uh, they always have best interests in mind, but knowing when to step away from that, especially, you know, that's tough too, because, you know, from a musician perspective, think about it in terms of like getting a record deal offered to you, you know, and like turning it down, you know, that that's, 
that's hard, you know, because growing up, especially as a musician, you're always taught that like, you know, you've made it when you get the record deal. And that's, I can't, like, I can't even describe how big of a lie that is, especially in 2020, you know, like I have a team of guys that we do everything in house. You know, we, we write, record, produce, distribute, promote, you know, everything. And I have way more faith in that and the guys that I love and that are close to me than a label that's just trying to take half my paycheck, you know? So, mm -hmm. it, but there's always that thing in the back of your head, that little kid being like, take the deal, take the deal. It's, it's the, it's the limelight, you know? Yeah. And yeah, pr pretty recently uh, I was uh, contacted by a, a record company and they just absurd terms. And like, so messaging them back and being like, I'm not interested. That mm -hmm. was, it kills you inside for a second. Cause you're like, what if it was legit, you know? <laughs> and you're yeah. just, you're like, you're t being a little bit too much of a shark. Um, but you'll never know, you know, it's yeah. just like, I've, I had this mentor um, in college that really taught me to trust my gut with this kind of stuff. And so far it, it's paid off. Um, just mm -hmm. establishing yourself as, as a pillar, you know, you're not something that people can knock over or move or influence in any way. That's so important because especially as a young artist, it, it's very easy to take the bait, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I feel like everyone now with like, with music distribution, distribution being so accessible to everybody, it, there's this, thing where everyone wants the the big break overnight so anything that might resemble that everyone's very quick to take that bait and i'm sure it's been like that you know for the whole time that music has been around but i feel that it's very prevalent now with everything being so accessible i mean i've got an interface right here and a microphone i could make a whole album right now on my computer whereas you used to have to be in a studio or whatever, you know, and, and all this is great. I'm, don't get me wrong. I think that everything being accessible is awesome. You know, it's like power art is now in the hands of the artist, but yeah, you definitely got to have those killer instincts of when to say yes, when to say no. Yeah. It takes, it takes discipline. Yeah. It seems like, I mean, your decision about that record deal is is indicative of that discipline it's like are you going to settle for less and right really it, it, it comes down to that discipline and just knowing who you are and why you're doing it right yeah uh, and i feel like this quote that i actually ran across like very recently really embodies kind of what we're talking about here and the quote is by Eric Godsey and he says, academics are great at creating maps, but maps are not the forest. The people who have walked through the forest, they make the best maps. Yeah. And so that's, wow. I mean, that's a, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna sit with that one tonight. Seriously, man. Oh my God. Like the path less traveled. Mm -hmm. um, totally. <laughs> yeah, mean, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, that is, resonating in my head right now i mean 
we my buddies and I always are shooting the shit about like sometimes we hear music and I don't want this to come off as elitist or you know that we're better than anyone because we're not we still struggle just like any other young artist but sometimes I, I feel like humans have a pretty good detector for when something is phony mm-hmm. and sometimes you just hear stuff and you can tell it's just a regurgitation of a music business textbook and I think that's what that quote is kind of getting at where like those people are just the academics but the people who have been out you know playing to empty rooms for years trial and error like all this stuff those are the people walking through the forest and who are gonna make that great map so i i don't know there's some there's something about uh someone who comes to me and is like i have a music business degree I can make you a star. Like it, there's something about that where I'm like, well, I need to see more. I, it's like, that's a good start, but like, what's your track record? What, what are you all about? I would rather work with a person with less qualifications, but is, uh, has a better spirit and has a better track record of a hu- being a human being than someone who is just very, like way too much of a clean slate and like has knowledge of publishing campaigns. You know, I'm, I'm just not interested in that. I'm interested in building a team of people around me that are just going to contribute to that positive and, you know, yeah, constructive atmosphere, man. People who have just walked the walk. Yeah. Not what they're doing, they, they're perhaps they're committed to self-discovery or self-actualization and just yeah. really, they're really just walking on their own path. Mm-hmm. If you... I mean, if you take the same path that other people have taken, then you're going to go exactly where they have been. Yeah. Um, which, you know, quite potentially may not work for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, or else you would, or else you would be that person walking that very specific path. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, do you want to go where other people have gone, or do you want to go where no one has been ever before? Yeah. Yeah, that's tough that's definitely like i think what everybody wants but i think it was miles davis that said it the hardest thing in music is sounding like yourself and yeah when i heard that i was like wow because it's kind of meta to think about because you know to that to someone who just looks at that on a service level like what do you mean like any anything i do sounds like me i was like well not really you know that's where that journey of self-discovery comes in and just those years of of growing pains you know that that's very indicative of like you can tell who's gone through the growing pains is that's another thing about that quote you mentioned you know who's gone through it who's been who's walked through the fire and who hasn't you know and i had a teacher in high school that he just like kept reiterating surround yourself with good people and everything will be okay and however simple that is i it's just a mantra that i carry with me every single day and the whole the old adage of you perform and act at the level of those around you that is like the most visceral thing ever especially in music you know, like if you're playing with bad musicians, you're not, you're going to play to a lower level, but it could go with, it could be everything, you know, 
it could be like who you choose to interview on your podcast or who uh you know it could be anything but just you know surrounding yourself with quality people is important you know yeah yeah and so that and so i was going to ask you earlier you know like what you know what are some okay so you have that feeling of connectedness that you feel while you know you were playing music and doing all these things mm-hmm. and i was going to ask you earlier like you know how do you best try to replicate that feeling in other aspects of your life so regardless of the condition you're feeling that and so I'm still going to ask, like, like, I'm basically still asking that question right now, but it seems like the people that you surround yourself with is part of that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it might be the biggest part of that because when I'm just hanging out with those people, I get that, pe- that feeling partially and it, it's, it, it's, it's a little bit like a, like a club, you know, it, where we're, where um, when I'm with them, there's so there's always this thing of like, we know they don't get it, you know. <laughs> Not that like we're smarter, but there's like always like all these inside jokes and little pushes and pulls between in the, in those relationships that it's hard to understand when you're not in them. And that and that goes for every field, you know. Like there's a lot of stuff about writing books that probably everything about writing books that I don't even begin to understand. But um, yeah, in terms of your question, uh, yeah, the people, the, the guys and, and girls in my tight circle, they are so important to me and important to what I do. And it's, I try to make that known to them. I mean, it's, it's hard to express that with words, like that gratitude Mm -hmm. of of thank you for being here and thank you for being in my circle and enabling me to do what I do and that goes for like the people in my band the people on my team and the people who come to the shows every single person who's involved it's it's always been a struggle of mine to to really show them how grateful I am I feel like you can't do it with words you really can't but um that's super totally going on. Super, that's super interesting. Because like it's those relationships that, at least in my experience, it seems to kind of just take the ego away. Or at least more so than than yep. many other things will. It's just a feeling of being one with you. Yeah. Um, and so I mean that 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 is very interesting, you know, and you saying, and thank you for for uh being that open to mention that but i mean that's very interesting about how um you know like how do we express like that love and and maybe the only way to do it is to just be there is to literally just be present and to feel those feelings to the absolute the absolute most that you possibly can yeah them and just appreciating the hell out of those moments yeah Uh, but it's like giving a gift on Christmas or, you know, giving a gift to anyone, anytime, like as the giver, you're very excited and you feel a lot of that love. So if I look at that from that perspective, it, it seems like that gratitude and that love is way more of a two person job 
than a one person job. You know, mm-hmm. like if I'm playing a show and there's someone in the front row that is super excited to be there. And I am thinking in my head, how do I express this gratitude? I feel like that's a small minded way to look at it because gratitude and love are, you know, there has to be two people involved, at least for gratitude. I mean, excluding like self-love and self-gratitude, like all that stuff, there always has to be two people involved. So that has to be a two-way street, you know? Like both of us feeling that love is what makes the gratitude and love even stronger. Yeah. So it's a very deep thing. And I don't know, maybe like that feeling of always chasing it means that like it's kind of in the right place in my head i don't know it's it's again it goes back to like <laughs> i have absolutely no idea what i'm doing 100 percent of the time mm-hmm. so that, that's but. super interesting that you said that because someone that i look up to and i honestly consider him a mentor and i don't even know him he's just a very wise and educated person named paul check and the way he puts it is that in all relationships you have the two people but the two people are not the relationship. It's the third entity that's created between them. Mm-hmm. That is the relationship and what is being put into that. And so you can have one person that is, you know, their cup is full, their cup, they're, they're literally so full of self-love and gratitude and appreciation for life and feeling good that their cup is literally just overflowing onto everyone because they don't, you know, they don't have to, project themselves on the people to feel good and to feel safe and like all this stuff, whatever. Mm -hmm. But then the other person in their relationship, perhaps their cup is not as full. Um, And so what happens to the third entity, the third entity, the thing that both of you guys experience together is less. And so I, I definitely resonate with what you're saying. If like, if you have a relationship of two people where you know, both of the cups are overflowing, then that makes it even that much better. But for me personally, I have to make sure that my cup is overflowing. And I trust that as long as I am giving that, and I am being that, that, you know, something will find me like kind of going to back to what you said earlier about you putting these things out into the universe and you giving these things out. And eventually what you are giving is going to be received by you it's going to come back to you so i actually did want to hear like more about like what you what you were talking about when you said that because i feel like we overlooked that a bit sure um i mean my bass player tristan jarvis got to give him a shout out because he's an incredible dude anybody watching should go follow his life but he anytime anyone asks him what is your role in this or what is, you know, what, what do you try to do in this band? His answer 10 times out of 10 is going to be my job is to make that person or those people sound better. And it's that kind of energy that I'm talking about that just like almost hard to understand how selfless it is because we live in, we're we're such a selfish species, you know, down to the primal level that for someone to have elevated above that and understands that you get what you give, 
that is just like the biggest thing for me. And it sounds like very, you know, tie-dye to say it, but I, I believe in it a hundred percent. Like karma, the energy you put out is the energy you receive. Like if, if you documented that, if you went about your day, just giving people compliments and like feeding other people's happiness and ensuring that other people were having a good day. If you took stock of how you felt at the end of the day versus a day where you only served yourself, that's like all the data you need. You know what I'm saying? That, and it's just very powerful. And it's, I feel like it's very hard to understand sometimes. Like I have trouble understanding it because the energy you put out is what you receive. That idea is very much a long game. It's not something that you see the results of immediately. I mean, sometimes it might be, but I think on the grander scale, it's, it's very much a long game. Like, you know, I, you might've put some energy out when you were 15 that you still haven't received back. And it's a lifelong journey. You're, you never like really achieve anything. It's always, you know, it's a practice. It's, it's, it's just uh, a way to live your life and a mantra. And I've very recently come to peace with it. Um, when I was younger, I was very much a serve yourself like kind of person. And recently, obviously I haven't achieved it because like I said, it's a practice, but I've been trying to practice it much more of all that matters is that you're putting out good energy, you know? And, th- and that's not to say that you can never treat yourself, but definitely one of the biggest things in my life is, especially with music is like we talked about, just you get what you give. Super simple. Dude, that's, um, So what that makes me immediately think of is how I feel whenever, like, let's say like I'm with someone, let's say I'm with a family member or I'm with a friend or whoever it may be. It's this feeling that let's say like, I don't know, for some reason I get caught up in my head, caught up in my ego. And for some reason I'm not fully there with them. I'm not fully appreciating them. I'm not fully giving my love to them because I'm not Mm -hmm. feeling love at all. I'm feeling anxiety or stress or whatever it may be. And it's crazy because after those moments, like immediately after them, like let's say they leave or whatever, I think like, damn, like I feel like I owe them something. You know what I mean? Like I feel like there's just like this void and I'm like, damn, like I wish I appreciated them more and I wish I saw them fully and gave them my love and things like that. And so that's why it's so important to, you know, be able to just fill up your own cup in whatever way you know how, whether Mm -hmm. that's through focusing on your breath and just like doing anything you possibly can to feel present and right there. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but that, that's super interesting. And yeah. (laughs) I love, I, I love that you said being present because that's been such a huge thing 
for me recently, and I'm sure for a lot of people, especially with uh, like this thing being in my pocket all the time, it's very easy to not be present with people. And be, because our day-to-day lives are so fast-paced and busy, it, it you know, it's, it's very easy to, to skip that step of, you know, like, it's so simple. It, it's, it's really small stuff, even down to like, if we're out to lunch together, like your phone is in your pocket and not on the table, you know, because that says a lot about a person that says like, I'm here with you, but like, if this vibrates, like it, my attention gets diverted. Yeah. And I think you can just like get such a good gauge of someone's character by those little, like small actions like that pocket versus table, or like if they leave it in the car or if they make eye contact, you know, I think when we talk about basic table manners, it's crazy that the cell phone has become such a big part of that conversation mm-hmm. as opposed to like, say please and thank you and make eye contact and you know like that kind of stuff that you learn in preschool it it's so weird so i i love that idea of being present because it it strengthens your relationships at such a faster rate and it it makes like that insulation and that foundation of a relationship that much more sturdy if if because then you become that person who people feel comfortable going to with stuff, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, in, in 2020, it's like so many relationships now are like, you're just thinking about, I love that person, but they like, I don't know if I'll get their full attention, you know, whether you consciously think about that or not, that's such a huge part of life right now is who can you go to? with anything that's going to give you their undivided attention and actually, and again, forget about the self and really pay attention to you. You know, it's like when you go to someone with a problem, do you try to fix their problem or you, do you just say that sucks? I'm here to listen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the difference between that. So I love that you brought that up. That's like such a huge part of everything right now. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's, it's like, it's loneliness, you know? I mean, Mm -hmm. I read a stat the other day and it says like one out of every four people report not having a single close friend that they can go to. Wow. And perhaps that's, I mean, I, I'm sure there are a myriad of factors that contribute to that, but if you're looking at it, you know, from a grand scheme of things, it's, becoming disconnected from each other and we become disconnected when we become unaware (laughs) right yeah awareness is huge that's like a but that's a really key buzzword for that conversation is awareness you know Mm -hmm. because it's like i have to be aware of the connection that already exists between us and being aware of how my mind is trying to get the get in the way of that so right. it's my mind that's judging you like that mm-hmm. is, or, or maybe it's the mind that's that's thinking that you are superior to me or inferior to me that is also a barrier to just the actual connection totally totally <laughs> because uh, because I, I mean anyone can connect like i seriously think any person on this planet can connect on a soul level to 
another human, but it just comes down to how how much are we able to see them? Right. See see this. Yeah. I totally I mean I totally agree, man. Like it, once you get a grip on those factors like you were just talking about, you really start to understand behavior and you're able to look at people's behavior not in a judging sense, but just to understand it. You know, why do people do what they do? Why did they make this decision instead of this one? It's you know, once you really like, I don't think opening your third eye is the right way to say it, but like once you really open your eyes to it and really start paying attention, you start to see it. And like, I think listening in life in general, like listening and observing is so much more important than talking. Mm-hmm. Like if you're just filling the room with your own noise, just to hear yourself talk, like you're missing out on a lot of key information. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that's like, kind of weird because i'm just rambling right now but um <laughs> i agree in gen- yeah in general i feel like it's huge just listening as opposed to talking and i i carry that with me in music you know mm-hmm. like are you are you playing too much are you playing when you should be or are you listening and playing the things that are intentional you know mm-hmm. like having something to say and placing it intentionally in the dialogue is huge. Oh, <laughs> that is huge intention. Totally. That's, That's the biggest huge. thing, man. I'm curious to hear more about that, like in, in your intentionality in your music, because it, I'm sure you are, you know, aware enough to, you know, the things that you like, you're intentional about the things that you're saying, like every word that you say, I imagine, and just right. everything that you do. So I'm curious to hear about that. Yeah. I mean, I've had, I've been very lucky to be surrounded by people like we were just talking about that emphasize intention and especially being so involved in the process in the studio where you are actually recording stuff. Intention plays probably the biggest role in that process. Just, just because, I mean, it's so easy to add and do too much. And to, to take a step back and ask yourself, is what I'm doing intentional? If you can't answer, why am I doing this? Then you should take it out, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, it, 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 I, I've just adopted this philosophy of subtlety is the loudest noise you can make. Because with subtlety, usually just about everything in subtlety is intentional. And I've, I'm very lucky to have, to exist in a medium like music where intention is very easy to put into words and understand. Um, but I, you know, music was just a teacher there. Like I carry that with me it, everywhere in life. You know, why am I doing this? What, what is the intention? Like, who is it going to affect? What am I trying to say? And like, it might sound silly, but you know that movie, A Star is Born? Like the new one? No, I don't. Oh, well, there's there's a scene in it where it's like, I don't know. Maybe some people overlooked it, but this scene just like blew my face off. It This guy, 
they were sitting at a bar and he's saying to this girl, he's, he's going talent. Like everybody in this room has talent, but what matters is having something to say that's unique. And once I wrapped my head around that music and the vast library of music that exists right now became a lot more clear, you know, who's got something to say and is what you have to say intentional is it relevant? Is it positive? And it will it will it make people's lives better? Even if uh, even if it's like a sad song, a lot of times like when I'm sad, I like to listen to a sad song, and it makes me feel understood and better. So even an intention like that, like you might some people might write that off as a negative intention because it's a sad song, but I think it's quite the opposite. So yeah. I mean, I could talk for years about intention. It's just so many situations have, have come, I've come across that, you know, yeah. you really see the fork in the road with people where they start to show their intention. And uh, yeah, you really, I really base a lot of my relationships off that. Like what is, what are people's intentions? You know? That's really, really insightful because now I'm thinking like back to the attention piece, paying attention and to observation, like you were talking about in order to have strong intentions, heart centered intentions, mm -hmm. you have to pay attention and be observational in that way. Not only, you know, about things around you, but things inside of you, like what's going on inside mm -hmm. of you. Like I totally resonate with that because there are many times where, I feel like there are many times where I have many different intentions going on at the same time about one very specific thing. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of just like, you know, cutting through all of that noise and finding the absolute highest intention. Mm -hmm. And it's hard because I mean, like, I feel like you have the lower intentions based, you know, based around that thing, um, which I would define lower as, you know, the ego does, you know, the ego's desires, Right. Um, and then the higher intention of like, okay, like what do I actually want? Right. And it's aligning with that. Yeah. And when you were, when you were talking about earlier taking stock and asking yourself why you're doing the thing that you're doing, I think this can totally come full circle and play a huge part in that, you know, intention. That's like the biggest thing. And, uh, wow, my brain just went off on a tangent. <laughs> like I totally forgot what the question was. <laughs> no, all good. Oh, man. Man. I, to I mean, I totally, um, this is like kind of just like an offshoot, but what you said about the movies that caught my attention. <laughs> um, but it caught my attention because it comes down to paying attention. Like it's, it's, it says a lot about you that, you notice that very specific thing like about that movie scene that perhaps many other people would not have noticed because i because i actually really feel that sometimes when i'm watching something and i'm like wow like i feel like i'm absorbing every single part of this content from how yeah just like how this entire thing is staged like from every single word that came out of that person's mouth to the way 
you know, they're shooting the entire thing. Like it, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No. And I was just gonna say, yeah, I mean, it's just helpful. Um, because in understanding the world around you, I feel like you can also understand yourself and, and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a very symbiotic relationship there. You know, you have to realize the push and pull of the world around you, like you said, but you know, like in your words, like your glass has to be full, you know, mm-hmm. you can't, I feel like, I feel like filling up your glass is like wiping fog off of your eyes. Once your glass is full, you can really start to give yourself to things. And yeah. that's why I was, I was, you know, discussing this recently with my girlfriend, we were talking about how like the, like you're my other half, like, it's compl- it's nonsense because you can't give yourself to something or someone unless you're complete or else you're always going to be looking for someone else to fill your void. And that's, it's, it's always going to fall short. You're, you're never going to be satisfied because no one else can fill your void, you know? And that's what, um, you know, going back to music, a lot of people are in music because they have a huge void and they're looking for other people to fill it. That's kind of where the ego comes in. And it's like, how many, how many times have you seen the archetype of like the musician who goes off the deep end, like, and they're like, they were in the limelight and they, now they're, you know, it, it, I feel like it all just boils down to that really simple thing. Like they were just trying to fill a void and they were looking for external sources to fill it. So. Cool. Dude, that is, that is powerful. I resonated for the, with that for many reasons. Um, but I like what you said about, I don't even, I don't even, I can't even necessarily pinpoint exactly what you said, but what came to me is it feels good to give ourselves fully to others, to be able to give all of ourselves to another person or a thing. So whether that's playing the guitar or, you know, just giving fully of yourself to everything, because whenever you're able to, at least in my experience, whenever I'm able to give myself fully, like 100% of myself, I'm easily just filled right back up by that mm-hmm. thing that it's just reflecting itself back to me. Yeah. Um, and so that's definitely like, you know, I agree with what you said about, um, you know, you know, your, your, your romantic relationship and also, you know, like the artist um, who goes off the deep end, it comes back to doing the really deep and hard inner work and really facing yourself so that you're able to reach this place of wholeness. You know, maybe right. you feel the wholeness and the completion all the time, but on an increasing basis, you are less attached to all of these things that you think are going to fill that void that inevitably don't. Right. And it's like, you could even boil it down to like, you have to fill the glass up in order to drink it. You know, like you're never going to get that back if there's nothing there in the first place. Like it's it's just like a stupid, simple analogy that is like works so well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I resonate with with that a lot, man. That's something I like just that self-discovery part of this whole thing. And like, trying to fill your glass up and trying to 
because everyone's really just trying to belong. Every, everyone wants to feel connection, give love, receive love, and just belong to something or some place or some, you know, belong to themselves or whatever. And there's so many growing pains involved with that that I feel like they're mistaken for, you know, malintention or like something else. But again, going back to like opening your eyes and being able to understand behavior, you really start to see like, oh, that person is acting out because they're, they're subconsciously trying they're going through the growing pains of becoming a better person. Like mm-hmm. that's a really hard process. And I've had a lot of close friends go through that process of, you know, the ups and downs of life. And when you're like on the upswing, like it's like a rocket taking off and like shedding the atmosphere. Like you have, <laughs> it doesn't just disappear overnight. Like you have to shed that skin. So yeah. that's that skin falls off and it's still present on the ground until it decomposes but you know it's very easy to mistake that stuff for someone just being a bad person yeah dude you know i love that you said that because i was reading how to love by anthony DeMello, if you've heard of it but um he says in the book and i mean it really resonated with me he says having received these revelations about yourself listen to this revelation concerning human human nature This behavior, this trait in the other person that causes you to react negatively, do you realize that he or she is not responsible for it? You can hold on to your negative feelings only when you mistakenly believe that he or she is free and aware and therefore responsible. Oh my God. (laughs) What? That's insane. Insane, man. Wow. (laughs) And he goes on to say, yeah, understand that the origin of defect lies in childhood experiences, past conditionings, faulty thinking and perception, and above all, in unawareness, not malice. Yeah, it's huge. That's that's like, it makes you not get mad at people anymore. Because you're like, you, I mean, like he said, like, it's not their fault there's something going on inside them that's causing them to do that. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) it has nothing to do with you, like at all. (laughs) It's bananas, man. I like at those same studio session sessions and got get more coffee. The same (laughs) sessions we were just at. I remember my buddy that's mixing the record. He came into the room for a bit and we were just kind of taking a break and talking about like, I forget what the actual resource was, but he was talking about leveling up from like a type one human being to like a type two or whatever. And he, he made such a good point. He was talking about being mad and he goes, I can literally just decide to stop being mad right now. And I was like, like, (laughs) I had to think about it for a second, but you're in control of your emotions you're totally in control of that. And once you can like get a grip on that stuff, like if you're mad at someone, you can just be like, I'm not mad anymore. You can just decide that. Mm -hmm. It's like, but it's that like, you know, maybe like us getting mad at people, those are our own demons coming out. So it's, it's this like, like some people may be farther along than others, but we're all on the same ladder that we all have that stuff in our past that like causes us to judge and to be angry and like all that stuff. So 
just that interaction is is so weird and the fact that you can just decide not to be mad at someone like that's like hilarious to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) just that you could just be like i'm not mad anymore and it's over like whoa (laughs) and that's the thing dude i feel like i mean personally sometimes like like yeah like i recognize that that i can you know i can change the emotion and decide to feel something different but what's the weirdest thing about human behavior perhaps is sometimes we like to revel in those negative emotions like i want to be mad right now which is kind of it's so paradoxical it's like because like why would you want to feel that way but like i don't know for some reason sometimes it feels good oh yeah it's cathartic it's it's so cathartic man like just like arguing with someone you know to the point where you're like shaking in anger and you walk away from that and you're like like <laughs> you know like that was a workout you know something like that yeah but, it, it's like a release it's like yeah yeah like perhaps totally. something that needed to happen yeah um, just like yeah well it's like a boiling point kind of thing like you know when does it when does it finally explode? Like you need to release that tension, you know, just like the way the human condition is, there is struggle and, in, and setbacks inherent to that. So there's going to there's pressure is going to build, you know, you need to release that. And it's kind of like, uh, my favorite is wallowing in sadness, like just being upset about something and like laying in your bed, with like <laughs> Ben and Jerry's and, like the neighborhood playing in the background and and you're just like leaning fully into it, not even trying to hide it like that, like that kind of thing. I mean, sadness is technically like a negative emotion, but damn, it feels good to just like, because, Oh dude. I mean, that's really interesting that you said that because the first thing I thought of was okay. Like Paul check the guy I mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. He says, whenever you are sad and you play sad music, you're only medicating the sadness, which makes sense to me in some regards. However, um, I don't know if you've heard of, perhaps not, she's like kind of unknown, but her name's Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Maybe I pronounced that incorrectly, but she has a book and it's about just the natural human emotions and I believe sadness, sadness is an actual like natural human emotion or like grief. Like it's a natural right. human emotion. And so it's good to end. And so maybe that's why it feels good to actually feel it. Yeah. Uh, but then obviously some of those natural emotions have unnatural manifestations. So you have, uh, you know, one of the natural emotions is envy but then the unnatural manifestation of envy is jealousy. Right. And obviously there's a big difference between, because like envy, like the way I see envy is like, it's admiration. And it's right. pretty You're much. Like I envy right. you. It's awesome. <laughs> right. Um, so that's super, that's super interesting. Emotions are interesting. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I, I think that the way our society is, we definitely, think about emotions and transitioning through emotions in a very angular way whereas it's not at all like especially with grief going from happiness to sadness that's like a that's a curve and especially coming out of sadness like that exit is so 
it's like it's like a meandering stream and like you know you're sad and then you start to you, you wallow in it and then like it starts to feel good and then next thing you know you're like feeling good and like with, without yeah even knowing it you've transitioned out of it it's like very smooth and i feel like if if we were beings where our emotions just like flipped like a switch like that's why i think that deciding not to be angry thing is so comical because it's so that's so not human at least in the in the current definition of being human mm-hmm. it like you know yeah. we're a little bit more nuanced than that we, we we flow through stuff a lot more you know there's that there's something that's satisfying about that natural progression up the scale yeah <laughs> not totally. down the scale but definitely yeah up. like i feel like you could be at the very top of the scale and then drop down to literally the basement in one second but when mm-hmm. it comes to coming back up i feel like normally for me it's just like a very gradual thing and there's something about that that's very and literally uplifting like it just feels yeah. good yeah and that becomes reminds- a oh go sorry ahead. go ahead go ahead finish your thought finish your thought I was just going to say, and then it reminds me of this emotional guidance scale. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> That's I, it's like I'm pulling out all of these resources. <laughs> it's something you see on the wall at the nurse's <laughs> office. Yeah. So it's like, oh yeah, I had this sticking out right here, like just forever. Yeah. Um, but it's an emotional guidance scale in this book. And there's, it lists 22 different emotions. The one at the very top being joy slash appreciation slash empowerment slash freedom slash love and then you have passion and then you have enthusiasm and then that number four you have positive expectation and belief then goes optimism hope hopefulness contentment boredom pessimism frustration overwhelmment disappointment doubt worry blame discouragement anger revenge hatred slash rage, jealousy, insecurity, and then number 22, fear slash grief slash desperation slash despair slash powerlessness. And so that's actually something like, <laughs> like if people like want to see that, like I'll post it somewhere. Like that's actually something that helps me because like all it, like I don't want to sit in those negative emotions forever. I want to be able to climb the scale and, and reach for the next best thought, the next best feeling, um, yeah. and eventually make it back up to number one or, you know, somewhere close to there. And so I use it as a guide. It's, it's very useful to just like be able to know like, okay, like I can actually intellectualize myself progressing up this scale. Right. Yeah. Like you're in control of that movement or you try to be mm-hmm. I feel like, uh, moving up that scale like coming out of it how you were talking about it's kind of a slow build i think at a certain point it becomes a feedback loop in the sense that you reach a point where your positivity and your growth out of something bad is feeding your positivity and growth and it just it's like exponential you know and it it yeah that process is so interesting and especially to like watch people go through that process that's what's really interesting to me how one day someone can be super pessimistic and negative and the next day they can come back and go i want to make sure i go about today with a positive mindset 
Mm -hmm. So how do you go about getting out of those negative loops? Man, uh, I feel like it's every time is a little bit different, but uh, for me, I've, I've definitely stopped. The biggest thing for me, I guess, is, is being honest with myself. That's the hard, that's the hardest part of the whole process for me is admittance and like admitting how I feel admitting what's happening and then just leaning fully into it, you know, because you're unknowingly digging yourself deeper when you lie to yourself. Yeah. And it's just that like, would you rather be pain? It, would you rather be in pain now or a lot more pain later? You know, just take the, like bite the bullet, just, just admit how you feel. And yeah. um, journaling and like voice memos have, have become a huge thing for me because thoughts exist in your head in a very different way than they exist on paper and on audio. Like uh, a while back, I had a week in um, a studio in Brooklyn with an engineer and it was just like, it was a very emotional week. Just a lot of self-discovery happened that week. And I remember him giving me the advice, but because I, not to get like too dark, but like I used to be on medication. And I remember going into this studio week, I was like still very heavily on this medication. And, and we had this, obviously this is just my case, you know, getting off meds or going on meds is, is very circumstantial, but coming off of them, he encouraged me. He's like, just journal your thoughts. Just, just write down like brutally honest, uh, like how you're thinking or what you're thinking. And that started to like really help me come out of these ruts and like get on that upswing. And after a certain amount of time, I just didn't need the medication anymore because I found this very step-by-step -step process of how to get through mental hardship and anxiety and depression and all that stuff. Like I'm able, I'm like, I'm very much happy to say I'm like very in control of that now. Mm -hmm. Whereas most of my life I wasn't, you know, it, it, it got the best of me, but um, it takes those painful first steps and growing pains to really start to get a hold of that. And so Going back to your question without getting too much off topic, I feel like it, you know, admittance is the biggest thing. Being honest with yourself with any problem in your life, you can't fix it until you have a very clear vision of what the problem is. And right. you have to take ego out of it. Like your ego cannot be involved in that, or else you're just going to hold yourself back from growth, in my opinion. That's very well put for many reasons. I mean, I like what you said about honesty and admitting, admitting it is, yeah. I mean, that's really just a practice of awareness. It's making, right. It all comes back. It's all the same stuff. Yeah. You know? It's making it aware because if, if you're not aware of it or you're not honest about it, you're not admitting it, you have nothing to work with. And so, yeah. And so that leads into journaling. I mean, that for me, that's my number one practice as well is, is just journaling and just writing and, be, and being honest mm -hmm. about whatever it may be. And then from there, I can find solutions. Absolutely, man. 
Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's so huge. So That's huge. So, and, yeah. go ahead. I don't even know what I was probably just going to read Go ahead. <laughs> no, all good. Um, so, we have about five minutes left. Um, but one of the questions that I wanted to ask you before we hopped off is for the listeners what are three teachers or teachings that have most influenced your outlook on life um oh man this can they all come from the same person they could yeah all right because i got things like whether it's like an actual person and like three different things they said or like a book or a podcast or yeah whatever I mean, I had a mentor that once told me the three laws of success. Oh. <laughs> and I have like a sticky note on my desktop that just has these. It's be on time, give a shit, and be a good hang. And he's like, as long as you can do those three, like you will be leaps and bounds ahead of people who can't. And I mean... I don't want to go too deep because I know we don't have a lot of time, but it just goes back to like, you know, kind of bringing this full circle. It's just being aware, being present and really, really feeling things and just trying. And at the end of the day, like it comes down to human connection again. Mm-hmm. And those three rules have enabled me to not, not worry about the clerical aspects of my life. Like it, as long as you can just nail those three, like, um, you know, you're going to meet the people you need to meet. You're going to just be in the situations that you need to be in and you'll be fine. You know? Mm-hmm. So I guess those would be my biggest three. Just be on time, give a shit and be a good hang. You know, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, and so before we go, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about your latest single, uh, Push. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's kind of an oddball song. Uh, we put it out pretty recently. It doesn't really, we're, we're working on a record right now and it doesn't exactly fit the vibe of the record. So I think we're just going to keep it as a single, but um, it's just a song that evolved through years of playing it live. And like i don't know it's just a fun tune we just wanted to have fun making a song and we were lucky enough to get nate smith on the drums and you know my co-producer tristan jarvis is on the bass and like you can check out the credits uh for the rest of the people there's like a good amount of people on that song but yeah it's just like a knocking tune and it hits live that that's like the biggest thing about that song is that when we hit like the you know like that intro like when that hits live it just like Dude, that's pumps. that feeling man. Pumps. <laughs> yeah it, it goes hard man it's it's like i mean all of my music musical playing is influenced by the drums like even though i'm not a drummer like that the drums influence me the most so i feel like that song is where that became very present and known but yeah push is out now uh i'm hopefully gonna have a full record coming out in the next few months um obviously with everything going on it got pushed back a little bit but yeah cool. uh, kind of just in a holding pattern right now <laughs> we'll see what happens man of course man well i wish you the best um you know you obviously have my support and my love and 
Um, I really appreciate you for, for hopping on this podcast. And I mean, I've only done a couple of podcasts, but I mean, this is by far my favorite one today. Oh, thank you. I mean, likewise, man, this has been, a, I, I really appreciate that, that this was just a conversation. Mm-hmm. Or the, I, like, I didn't even think about this as an interview or like anything like that, man. I mean, I think you've got a, a good, like you're clearly a wise dude. So I think you'll, you'll have a lot of amazing times with the guests that you have on this. And like, I really think I'm excited for your future, man. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. And sure. I'll see you around. All right, man. Be well. All right. You too. See ya. Take it easy, man.